Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 67. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. On today's podcast, we've got Alabama men's basketball, Crimson Tide Sports Network, color analyst Brian Passing joining the Galloway Podcast to talk about Tide Hoops. This is Brian's third time on the podcast, so... Thank you, Brian, for taking time. We have a great conversation about not only this season, but this program in general. How Alabama is now number eight in the AP poll, how they're 17 and five overall, 12 and one in the SEC. It's been a spectacular season for the Crimson Tide. Started off a little rough, but this podcast is more of a generalization overview of this season and the success, breaking down all the success that Alabama's been able to have so far with Brian. So that's coming up shortly. As always, we'll start with what's new. We'll talk to Brian, and then we will go around Alabama athletics. Lots of news because spring sports are in full swing. And due to COVID-19, we've got fall sports that generally take place only in fall season, also going on in the spring. So lots to talk about in Around Alabama Athletics. Let's go ahead and get things started. I want to remind everybody, the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. You can follow me on Twitter if you have any questions, comments, concerns about the podcast. Hit me up on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. As it pertains to you, as it pertains to me, and as it pertains to this podcast, we're going to keep what's new relatively short here on episode 67 because there is a lot to cover in our conversation with Brian and around Alabama athletics. So what's new? Gus Malzahn hired at UCF. So he has two months of no work after getting parting ways, if you will, with Auburn getting fired in mid-December. He goes two months without work. He collects millions of dollars, literally collected $11 million within 30 days of being fired from Auburn, most of that coming before the new year. And now he's quite literally going to Disney World. He's going to coach UCF. It's a great fit, I think, for Gus Malzahn. He's going to a place where, relatively speaking, I'd say expectations are low, and they've competed in two New Year's Six Bowls. They've beaten Auburn, ironically enough. They were the team, how they claim that 2017 National Championship is that they beat Auburn, who also beat Georgia and Alabama, who played in the National Championship that year. And so they've played at a very high level. However... It's not near the expectation level that Auburn fans had for him and other coaches have around SEC schools. And so I think this is a really good fit. I'm a little surprised that they went after Gus Malzahn. I think it was probably the best that UCF could do. Granted, their whole staff now is moving to Tennessee because it just appears the football program at UCF is now the football program at Tennessee. That's just kind of how it's worked this offseason. But they go after Malzahn. I didn't think he was going to coach this year. I thought he was going to take a year off. But as I mentioned, it's kind of their, their – it was their, hey, let's let's shoot for Malzahn, see if we can get him. Oh, we got him. All right, great, great hire. Let's roll. He's our guy. All around, A hire. I'd say A minus move for Gus Malzahn because I think had he waited a year, he could have gotten a job at a Power 5 school. However, this is a great situation for him. He'll do just fine, and as I mentioned, expectations are relatively low. What else is new? Spring training in the MLB is right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers are reporting this week. Spring weather is coming up. If you're in the Tuscaloosa area, you know that the spring weather has been in. It's been out. In the last week, it's been sunny and 75, and it's also snowed. And so if that doesn't sum up Alabama weather, I don't know what does, but baseball season's right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers are reporting 
I'm very excited for some Braves baseball, and I'm also excited for some Alabama baseball. We'll get to that shortly in Around Alabama Athletics. But for now, here's the interview with Brian Passing, today's guest on Episode 67 of the Galloway Podcast. I'm joined now once again by the only man in the world to have his jersey hanging from the rafters at Innisfree, who also has been on the Galloway Podcast now three times. Brian, that's a distinct honor. How are you? Doing great. Both my claims to fame. So uh, appreciate you having me on again. Always fun to talk to you. Absolutely. I was t- taking notes earlier. It's episode 12, 35, and now 67. So uh, bookmark those down <laughs> as, a, uh, as a fan favorite. But Alabama basketball, uh, scheduled to play today, moved to tomorrow, now canceled against Texas A&M. Alabama's currently number eight in the AP poll, 17-5 and five overall, 12-1 and one in the SEC. Brian, just walk us through right now where Alabama basketball is because it's at a place where to the common fan and to the common Alabama connoisseur, you could say, it's almost unparalleled. We've never seen it before, or at least in a very long time. Yeah, you know, you look at, at the, the history of Alabama basketball, and it, it's an underrated history. This, this basketball program is second in the SEC in terms of wins. Uh, to Kentucky, obviously, and, and Kentucky has a pretty significant lead, but uh, Alabama has a long and proud history of winning in this league. Uh, and, 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 you know, in the, in the 80s and early 90s was a, a national power, a, a team, a program that went to uh, consistently went to the Sweet 16. Uh, but what we're seeing now, at least at this point, has a chance to be one of the best teams in school history. I mean, Alabama's only been a two-seed. One other time, that was the last time that Alabama won the SEC regular season tournament. Uh, that was 2002. So right now, Alabama's in posi- position to either meet that or, or possibly exceed that if, if, this, if they can continue to win at a high level. But uh, this has been a fun year. Uh, it's, it's been a year that has been crazy in terms of, of COVID. And, and, you know, there were times at least – before the season started, you weren't even sure if you were going to have a season. But I think everybody affiliated with the Alabama program, and that includes fans, are certainly excited we, we had it because this team has played at a high level, um, and it's been a long time since there's been this much excitement about Alabama basketball. One thing that Nate Oates was talking about is the seniors on this year's team. There's four, including walk-on Tyler Barnes. They've, they've gone, I think it's 8-10 and 10 over the last three seasons or two of the last three seasons, and now they're 12-1 and one in conference play. Obviously anchored by Herbert Jones and John Petty. Alex Reese has made some contributions throughout this year and the past couple of years. But Herb is about 80% right now. He said in Tuesday's press conference he's feeling 70 to 80%. And one thing I've talked with you before about is his 70 to 80% is – better than a lot of people's 100%. Talk about where he is because he's been banged up. He's been out of practice, but also he's giving everything he has whenever he hits the floor. Well, Herb is one of my all-time favorite players in Alabama basketball history. And there's been a lot of great ones over the years. And and Herb is right up at the top of the list with what he's done over the course of his career. And right now, I, I think he's the front runner for SEC player of the year, a potential uh, All-American with the way he's playing. And it, it, last year, you know, he, he had uh, really uh, several heroic performances with one arm, you know, had, a, had his left wrist, which is he's a lefty, in a cast and, you know, will never 
forget the, the free throws that he made against LSU, critical free throws late in the game with his right hand one-handed uh, and, and the roof just was went, blew off of Coleman Coliseum when he hit those free throws. Uh, but this year he's taken it to another level and, and I think he's gotten the national recognition uh, that we've all known here in the state of Alabama and the Alabama basketball fans have known about Herm Jones over his previous three seasons. But now nationally, he's getting the rec recognition uh, that, that he deserves. And he's been incredible. He's not 100%. Um, but as you mentioned, 70, 80%, he, he's one of the best players in the country. Now, if Herb can get to 100%, which that's uh, what, what we anticipate happening, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, this team has a chance uh, to not only win the regular season in, in the SEC, but go to Nashville, have a chance to compete for the tournament title, and then on to March Madness. And uh, nobody would uh, want to play Alabama with, with a healthy Herb Jones and hopefully a healthy Jordan Bruner and Juwan Geary. When we look at this season um, so far, it, it's, it's been a, a great one, obviously. But what's really been the most amazing part about it is this team has not been healthy for the most uh, – most of the season. They've been able to overcome it with depth, with leadership. Uh, they've done those things, but hopefully this team will get even more healthy as we get closer to the end of the year. And if that's the case, uh, I would say look out. Look out indeed. Abs absolutely. One thing in the in the Galloway household that we're looking at is uh, Virginia is the defending national champion. And I always tell my brother and my dad, hey, we're, you know, we're not calling anything here, but look out and look out is exactly right. As you mentioned, Brian, you mentioned the injuries that Alabama suffered, obviously been without Jordan Bruner and that presence has been noticed. Um, Juwan Gary talk about guys that have stepped up, big men that have stepped up and the lack of presence, especially on the boards, Alabama still winning the rebounding margin, despite having so many guys out, walk me through some names. Obviously Reese has played really well. Um, that have stepped up defensively to get rebounds and replace those guys like Gary and Bruner who've been out for a couple games? Well, you look at this team, and, and the names that come to mind immediately are Herbert Jones and John Petty. Uh, and, and those guys are, I think, either player of the year candidates, definitely both of them, I think, player of the year candidates. First team, all SEC, senior leaders. Uh, they're, they're getting the recognition uh, in Alabama, in this region, and really all throughout the country. But uh, Alex Reese is a guy, and, and you mentioned who has stepped up in the absence of Gordon Bruner and some of these injuries. Alex Reese has had an underrated great season. Uh, his numbers aren't off the charts, but he's been a leader. Uh, he's been a leader on the floor and off the floor. He, he's playing uh, like a, a senior should, and, and you hope um, will late in, in his career. And he, he's done a, a terrific job, either starting or coming off the bench. He's been so unselfish with this team. And he's, he's really led uh, this group, especially the young uh, interior players on, on this team. Juwan Geary, who's, who's now hurt, hopefully he'll be back soon. But he's one that's really stepped up in the absence of Jordan Bruner. James Rojas, uh, the junior college transfer who was hurt last year. Uh, he's not been healthy, but he's getting more healthy and he's, filled in and done a nice job on the interior when he's been in there. Alabama uh, ha has a lot of depth. They've got guys like Keon Ellis who can play multiple positions. Herb Jones can play just about five positions on the court. Uh, John Petty has played multiple positions. This is a, a very deep roster. It's talented, but it's also versatile. They can play a lot of different ways. They can play 
uh, four or five guards at a time. Uh, and these guards, especially John Petty, Herb Jones, James Shackelford, they defend and rebound at such a high level. It doesn't hurt you to not have a, a true big man or two on the floor at the same time. So they've been able to do it a lot of different ways. But the veteran leadership on this team has been huge. And one guy that was a veteran leader who was only entering his sophomore year at the beginning of the year is Jaden Shackelford. And now a lot of Bama fans hear his name right now at this point in the season think, oh, he's going through a sophomore slump. He's missed a lot of layups. He's missing a couple threes. But he's had some games and some spurts where he's been playing well. Talk about that sophomore slump, so to speak, what he's going through. And as a former player, can you just kind of explain – because he had such a target on his back. He was playing so well last year. I believe all first team, all freshman team in the SEC. Uh, what did he have on his shoulders coming in to this year? And just walk us through where he is and what he's thinking as he goes throughout this stretch of SEC games. Well, listen, if, if he's having a sophomore slump, we should all be so lucky to have that, that type of sophomore slump because in my eyes, he, he is so much better than he was a year ago. He's improved every aspect of his game. We, we know he can shoot. He's been up and down. Teams are keying on him. Uh, and he's, he's done a good job of taking what the defense gives him. Uh, and he's had some big games. But what I love about Jaden is the way he's improved on the defensive end. Uh, he's become an elite-level on-ball defender. And, and last year, coming out of high school, uh, he struggled on that end of the floor. And the coaches really challenged him to become a better defender. And and right now, I think he's one of the better defenders in the Southeastern Conference, which is amazing considering where he was at this time last year. You look at Alabama as a team, and this team was ranked 114th in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency a year ago. Right now, number two in America. Gene Shackelford's a big reason why. Obviously, it's not just him, uh, but he and his teammates have really gotten better on that end of the floor. And he's a veteran. He's playing uh, at a high level. I mean, a veteran as much as a sophomore can be. He's played a lot of basketball. He's a young veteran, uh, but he's played really well on both ends of the floor. He's a guy that Nate Oates mentioned in his press conference, I believe it was yesterday on Tuesday, that he said, you know, I'm going to California. I'm flying out there. We need this guy. He talked about needing point guards, and Jaden Shackelford was high on his list. He was one of the first people that he made a phone call to, one of the very first people he went and saw out in California. And so that was a big pickup for Alabama. And a lot of people, I think, want to point fingers at the Oklahoma game and the late miss layups. But I believe recently, can't pinpoint exactly what it was. He was four of seven from three. Was it last weekend? Was it Saturday? I can't remember exactly when, but he's bounced back in, in, from that. And listen, he missed some layups. And by the way, you know, all layups are not created equal. Uh, he missed some tough layups. Oklahoma's a really good team. But he was frustrated with himself, and those are, are normal, normally shots he makes. But uh, he, he is, he's been really good taking the ball to the basket, knocking down the three. Uh, and, and he is someone, as you mentioned, that is such a key piece to what Nate Oates wants to do. I mean, he fits in perfectly to this system, uh, the way he can shoot it, put it on the deck. Now he's defending at a high level. And, and he has a chance to, to be a, an all-American caliber player before he's done in, in his time in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I think, you know, he's someone that will be a potential player of the year candidate in the SEC uh, in years to come, a potential first-team all-American because he's the perfect fit uh, for NATO's in this system 
Uh, and he's a guy that has proven that he will live in the gym. He's working on his game, trying to get better. Uh, and I've seen the improvement this year from, from year one to year two. Uh, the numbers may, may not uh, indicate that quite as much as, as he has improved because he is a much better all-around basketball player than he was a year ago. And I think in the past, Alabama fans specifically, I, I like to think through the fan perspective because perception among Alabama athletics fans in general is based off of the idea that football wins national championships year in and year out, and so should the other teams. And that's not a fair assumption, but – in the past, Bama fans would look at that Oklahoma game and Shackelford's mislaps and still be dwelling on it. Well, this year, like we mentioned multiple times already, Bama's 12-1. and one. There's no reason to reflect on an out-of-conference game that happened in January, and Bama didn't play that well and lost by a slight margin. I mentioned all those factors, but at the end of the day, they don't matter because Alabama is running the SEC right now. So I want to ask you about the SEC so outsiders would look at it and say it's a down year. This Alabama team, you know, I don't truly believe they're a top 10 team in the country. Well, Brian, will you make the case for Alabama finishing strong to the rest of the season and then possibly being a two seed in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean, you look at this league, and it is a very good league. I mean, it's ranked ahead of the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big East um, in the Ken Palm rankings. So uh, this is a very good league with right now – Six teams that, that will probably get in the tournament. A, a seventh is possible with Ole Miss, uh, the way they're playing right now. So this is a very good league, and, and it's one of the best in the country, number three overall uh, in, in the rankings. So uh, for Alabama to be 12-1 and one right now and have a multiple-game lead over the next closest opponents um, is the reason why Alabama is very much in consideration for a top-two seed. Uh, in the NCAA tournament. So uh, this, this league is, is not been easy, uh, but Alabama has somehow managed to, to win some games and play at a high level since coming in uh, to SEC play. Yeah, Alabama would have a much different looking non-conference um, win-loss record had they been, been playing at the level they, they are now. I mean, this team has really hit their stride coming back from Christmas break. It started with the East Tennessee State game uh, before – SEC play started. You really felt like this team was coming to coming together. John Petty uh, had really turned things around. Didn't have a great non-conference, uh, but came back in, in the SEC play. And his, he and Herb Jones have been off the charts. And they've been the leaders of this team. And it's why Alabama uh, is currently doing great things. And hopefully if they can continue to do that, they're going to get a really good seed in the NCAA tournament with a chance to make a run. I remember Nate Oates was talking about being – because Buffalo, I think, had been a five or a six seed, maybe even as high as a four. And he said, you know, we can improve that. We can get those uh, that number up as soon as possible. And it's year two, and Alabama is in, dare I say, the driver's seat to get a two seed. But one thing you mentioned um, that I want to harp on is seven possible teams in the NCAA tournament. Of course, you know, this is a special year, Brian. There's only 13 SEC teams that are available uh, to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we don't have to get into that. Seven out of 13. No, seven, seven out of 13. That's, uh, yeah, there, there's one pretty, program pretty that's percentage. not going to be in the tournament that we don't have to discuss, but we can if you want to. Um, so it, it's a, it is a special year. Everything's different, and I agree with all the aforementioned points of – Alabama, really, I mean, they run the league and they're playing extremely well right now. Uh, moving from the hard court to the broadcast table, I did a story with you and uh, Chris, Tom, 
Roger wasn't there that night, but I did feature Roger on it. I want to ask you about this season and calling games remotely on the road. Um, as I mentioned that story, you've been all around the state. You've done it in Huntsville now, I believe. Is that right? We have. We, we started uh, in the Crimson Tide Production Studios. Um, and when you did the story on us doing games, not being there live, we were doing, we did a, a handful of them there at Bryant Denny Stadium. And I'm not sure who had the idea um, to, to go to Baumhauer's in Tuscaloosa thinking, okay, we're going to call this off TV, which is what we're having to do this year. Uh, it's an SEC rule where visiting radio doesn't travel. And, and, and by the way, there, that's specific to the SEC. There's a lot of leagues, I, I would even say most leagues, that are traveling, visiting radio. Um, and this is just a sidebar. We're very hopeful that radio will be traveling to Nashville and in Indianapolis. So if not, uh, you may see some tears flowing. Um, may not be a good time for me to get on your podcast. I may say some things I regret <laughs> if they don't let us travel because it's been hard. It's been hard not traveling, especially in, in what we hope is uh, the middle of a historic year for Alabama. Uh, but we did some of those broadcasts from um, in a studio, as you well know. Uh, and then we started going to Baumhauer's in Tuscaloosa, did a couple there, and had a great time. I mean, first and foremost, um, Chris, Tom, Roger, and I had a blast because we're with the fans. There's some energy there. You know, when you're doing it in a studio, there's it's it's quiet. You know, you're you're trying to create your own energy. Energy. Sometimes you can't even hear the the whistle and the sneakers and the and the goal. And so it's just a a very strange feeling calling a game. But when you're there at Baumhauer's, which we've done Baumhauer's in Tuscaloosa, Vestavia Hills. Uh, the last one was in Huntsville. Uh, we've had great crowds and great energy. Now, the reason for that energy is, I mean, as much as Chris and I and Roger and Tom would like to think it's because they're excited to see the broadcast crews, it's because the tide is rolling. And, and when, when you make 23 threes against LSU and, and the crowd's going nuts every time you hit one, uh, it, it's just a whole lot of fun to be there around other Alabama fans. For us, you know, it creates um, – you, you can hear the, the crowd noise. You can't – I mean, there's not even really crowd noise um, in a lot of places that you go right now. There has been in Coleman, Coleman Coliseum. Coliseum has been pumping yeah. slightly crowd noise in this season. Well, and, and they haven't needed to. The students have been off the charts uh, for the limited numbers they've had. Um, it's been a great atmosphere, relatively speaking, uh, because of the COVID situation. But you go to a lot of places and, and it's just dead silent. And it's, and, you know, it's been silent because the, the visitor has been lighting it up. Uh, and that's been Alabama. So we've had some great crowds in Baumhauer's across the state. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to do. And listen, you know, to have uh, some wings delivered at halftime, uh, to have a, you know, a, a beer delivered in the postgame show uh, celebrating a victory, uh, that's been an added bonus. So we've, we've made the most of it. We've had a great time. Um, and with all that being said, we're ready to get back live and be there for these games. So hopefully it's just a one-year deal. Uh, we, we anticipate that to be the case. Uh, but we have made the most of it, and we've had a blast. I feel like in past years, um, having run up and down the sidelines, whether it was shooting games or running stats, you and Tom and um, Chris and Roger feed off each other's energy from being in that close proximity. And when you're in Coleman Coliseum, you're not elbow to elbow. You're at your own table. You have your notes all spaced out, your stats pulled up. 
is that, and obviously you hear each other, you know, so you don't have to take your headset out and say, what'd you say? Um, but you're, you're literally six feet apart in the, in the Coliseum. You have to literally look down the row to look at Tom and say, you know, are we going to break or whatever? So how is that even at the home games? Yeah, it's different. The good thing, at least from the actual in-game broadcast, is Chris and I have been together now. This is our 18th year together. His 19th, he started a year before me, so we've been together forever. And I I feel like I know uh, when he's going to take a break, when he's going to take a breath. Um, So we have a pretty good rhythm, and and we're able to, to, to function that way. Uh, there has been some times where I'm trying to talk um, to Tom and he's got my mic off during the break and I got to like throw a piece of paper at him to get his attention down the way. But uh, the good, the good thing is there is, I think a chemistry uh, that, that Chris and I have and, and a big part of that chemistry is me just getting out of Chris's way and letting him do his thing. Uh, and then when he's ready uh, to take a breath and take a break, I, I can chime in. A couple more questions for you here. First, on a lighter note, will you and Chris start providing some halftime entertainment at home games, going, playing one-on-one, doing a free-throw shooting? Because it's getting (laughs) awfully boring watching the video board over and over. I cannot tell you how tempted I am to pick up the ball. Now, you know, at halftime, they put the the basketball right on the scores table, which is right in front of us. And then, you know, there's there's no halftime entertainment. And I'm looking at thing. I have a hard time being in a gym with a ball and not picking it up and shooting. So I, I've challenged Chris to a game of horse, Roger, um, you know, I, I mean, Greg Byrne, um, if he wants to go, you know, shoot, shoot at halftime, I think that'd be a good halftime entertainment to have the broadcast crew and, you know, maybe the athletic director get a couple of football players out there. Let's play a game of horse. But, hey, I'm all in. And uh, I can tell you right now, they don't want a piece of me in horse. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you know, pull out that elbow jumper, maybe see if you still got range, shoot from the three. I don't know. It, oh, could, yeah. it could get interesting. That, yeah, that, they, they don't want any of that. I mean, that's, that's the only thing I could do. But the, the problem is, and you, you know this, I've got a daughter who plays basketball. And so now I pick up a men's ball. It's like a medicine ball. I'm like, I'm used to a girl's shooting a girl's ball. And I'm deadly with a girl's ball. I would have been you know, if I couldn't use that smaller ball, I would have been a much better shooter, a little easier. It's You feel like Shaq because, you know, you can palm the ball. You're, it's like shooting a softball right. <laughs> at this <That's> stage. Right. <laughs> um, all right, Brian, a couple more questions here. Bold predictions for not only the conference, because you see teams like Missouri was streaking. They've fallen off now. Arkansas playing some really good basketball. What bold predictions do you have first within the SEC and then second nationally in the AP top 25? We've seen Gonzaga, Baylor dominate. Will you see any changeover in the top 10? What are your wild predictions for the rest of the season? All right. In the SEC, I mean, you know, this isn't too bold, but I mean, Alabama's the team to be, has a chance to make a run. Um, You never know when you're trying to, to win multiple games against good teams. There's a lot of parity in college basketball. So, so, you know, who knows? Um, I think Arkansas is a team right now that's hot. Uh, they've got older guys. Um, they, they have the potential to make a run because what they do on, on both ends of the court. Um, Missouri is a team, once they get Jeremiah Tillman back, he's been out for a couple games, uh, that is capable. I would say nationally, here will be my bold prediction. Uh, Gonzaga and Baylor will not win the national championship. So it's going to be somebody else. 
And obviously, I was going to say, I would take the field against them. And I'm yeah. not saying by, by any means is Alabama going to win, but so rarely have we seen a team go undefeated in college basketball. Yeah, it could happen. But, but I'm going to, that'll be the, the bold prediction. And a team I really like is Michigan. Uh, for them to, to take off, I think, three weeks or a little more than that, come back uh, and beat Wisconsin on the road was really impressive. Uh, they're a team uh, that can make a run. But when you look at the top ten, I mean, a- anybody's capable of doing it. And, and Alabama's one of those teams. And really, all you can ask uh, at this time of the year is to be in the mix, uh, to have a chance to, to go to the tournament, um, be a good seed, uh, a chance to get on a run and get to a Final Four, uh, and if you do that, anybody can win it. Alabama's in a great position. Uh, this is where you want to be in uh, late February. Being in the mix for the NCAA tournament, a conference championship, uh, is exactly where you want your program to be, and that's where Alabama is right now. And last question for you here. When Arkansas came to Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago, I guess, Connor Vanover, their seven-foot-three center, did you have a chance to stand next to him? Did you see him? up close, how big, you know, did you have that opportunity to stand next to that massive human being? Man, I, I didn't, but my gosh, I mean, that guy is, uh, I mean, he, he is a different kind of player, not just because he's 7'3". I mean, you, you see some guys that are that that tall every now and then, but he's a three-point shooter. I mean, the guy can – can knock down threes if he's if he's open and, and a guy that can defend around the rim. Absolutely. Well, um, Brian, I hear the dog, hear the doorbell, and so appreciate your time. I want to let you go here. But I do want to say, too, Vanover, so his high school, before he went off to prep school, he and his brother played Mountain Brook at CPA in a showcase. I think it was my junior year of high school. And he's 7'3". His brother was 7'1". And I think the grandmother was like in a wheelchair. She was like six three or six four as an elderly lady. And their whole family was there. Biggest group of human beings I've ever seen in the most respectable way possible. Very tall people. Uh, obviously, some very good basketball players. <laughs> no doubt. And skilled. That's the, the amazing thing skilled, about him. Yeah. He's not just seven three. The guy can, can really shoot the ball. Very impressive. Jack Klein did not have a prayer on the tip-off. I don't even know if he jumped. He just looked at the guy, and he's like, all right, you're seven foot three. I, we'll, we'll take the first possession arrow. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for your time and looking forward to the rest of this college basketball season. As John Rothstein says, we sleep in May. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me. It's always a good time. Once again, thanks to Brian Passing for taking the time out of his day. And this week, to talk a little Alabama hoops, always enjoy talking with Brian, as I mentioned, frequent flyer and guest on the Galloway Podcast. On that note, we're going to move to around Alabama athletics, as we like to do. We'll start with football. Ben Davis, the five-star linebacker from Gordo, Alabama, entered the transfer portal on Monday. So he is out. He had a better season this year. He had his name and number called more than any season he's played before but he still decided that it is in his best interest to look elsewhere. So five-star Ben Davis and local guy here in the Tuscaloosa area is now in the transfer portal. Joseph Bullivus, the kicker before Will Reichard, stayed with Alabama, did not play this past season, has announced his transferring. he is transferring to Vanderbilt. So after all the news that Vanderbilt made last year with Sarah Fuller, and everything that went on up in Nashville. Mandy had an 0-9 season, was not very successful. Obviously, they were looking for a kicker, and Joseph Bullivus believes he can be the guy 
for the Commodores up in Nashville. Let's take a look now at the Alabama Athletics calendar and what's coming up because, as I mentioned early on in the podcast, spring sports are in full swing and this month of February could not be more busy. There is quite literally no room left on the calendar. We're recording this on Wednesday, February 17th, and just today, swimming and diving are at the championships, SEC championships. Those are going on in Athens. Women's tennis is scheduled to take on UAB at 4 p.m. That is a home match in Tuscaloosa. Just got added, I believe, two days ago. Um, Swimming is at the SEC Championships throughout the rest of the week. Men's basketball, obviously not taking on Texas A&M at College Station. That will be postponed. Will probably be made up that Saturday, that first Saturday in March. We'll have to see. Women's basketball is still scheduled to take on Florida in Gainesville on Thursday afternoon. That game was moved up to 4 p.m. Central Time. And then this weekend, opening weekend for baseball, a triple header all throughout the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, versus McNeese State. Excited to see Brad Bohannon and his guys back in action. They were in a promising year last year, and those guys, and as you heard from Colby Robinson uh, in the episode 43, I believe it was, maybe 44 on the Galloway podcast, his season was cut short, and Alabama is ready to get back at it, at it on the diamond. Softball playing in the Easton Bama Bash this weekend. They've got games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They're 4-0. and after a great start and an unusual start, they were supposed to go to Austin last weekend. Not COVID-related, but weather-related circumstances canceled that trip to Austin. And within four hours, Alabama had four new games scheduled for the weekend. So Patrick Murphy and his staff and his players adjusting and rolling with the punches that this 2021 season is throwing. I'm really excited for this Alabama softball season. Came in ranked number eight in the country and predicted to not win the SEC championship, but to finish a little bit further down the ladder. And so expectations about this team aren't as high as they have been, but Alabama, if you saw them play this weekend, they went to Montgomery, two games, five innings each, 10-0, to didn't even scout their opponents. Patrick Murphy said in a press conference on Wednesday today that he didn't even scout his opponents. They just went out there and played, and his girls dominated. Excited to see what they're going to be able to do. When you take a look at gymnastics, they lost last weekend at Georgia. They are now 4-1 and one on the year. They will take on LSU this weekend on Friday at home in Coleman Coliseum. So that's it for Around Alabama Athletics. I want to remind everybody the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. Check it out on those three platforms and share with your friends on social media. If you're interested in purchasing any Galloway Podcast merchandise, hats, comfort colors, t-shirts, tumblers, coffee mugs, golf towels, and more, hit me up on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. Check out my weekend sportscast on WVOA 23 at 10 p.m. every Saturday and Sunday night for a full TV sports recap. That's it for episode 67 of the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the game.